0: Welcome to Let's Talk Loyalty, an industry podcast for loyalty marketing professionals. I'm your host, Paula Thomas, and if you work in loyalty marketing, join me every week to learn the latest ideas from loyalty specialists around the world. So welcome to episode 44 of Let's Talk Loyalty, and today I'm taking a slightly different approach in that I'm not talking about loyalty programs in the context that we normally use. So we're not talking about points-based programs or partnerships-based programs or even engagement or gamification-type programs. What we're talking about today is a completely different model of loyalty, which is really based around the business model of subscription. Now, the reason I thought this might be an interesting topic to talk about was I noticed my own behavior, particularly during this pandemic, is starting to drive loyalty towards different categories. And as I noticed, I'm starting to, for example, subscribe for organic juices. I noticed that lots of my friends were also taking subscriptions for other types of products. And then I noticed actually a fantastic webinar uh, from Ipsos in Denmark, which is exactly talking about the rise of the subscription model. So I thought I'd bring on the two hosts of that show to talk about subscription for Let's Talk Loyalty. So with that introduction, first of all, I'd like to welcome Jens Dupont, who is an associate director at Ipsos Denmark, and Peter Jakobsen, who is a senior consultant at Subscribe in Denmark to Let's Talk Loyalty.
1: Thank you so much. Thank
0: you so much. So, I'll first of all, just by asking Jens, in fact, just to um, just give us a quick introduction to the work of Ipsos. Um, as you know, Jens, lots of our listeners around the world are loyalty directors, they're loyalty managers, so they're probably familiar with the work of Ipsos as a research agency. But certainly be keen to understand the work you do in Denmark, and then as well, why you started to do this webinar about subscription particularly.
2: Yes. um, Thank you so much, Paula. Um, So I think uh, as many uh, of your listeners, as you mentioned, will probably know, uh, Ipsos is uh, one of the biggest research agencies globally. Um, In Mm -hmm. Denmark, we have a relatively small office, um, but that also implies that we need to be more agile and flexible in the way that we work with our clients. So we definitely benefit from the the strong muscles that we have globally. Um, So we do a lot of work with the local clients, but with global perspectives. And what we do is that we do uh, all type of research around any marketing related uh, challenges uh, opportunities that our clients have. And that Mm -hmm. also implies uh, doing customer experience research. Um, So whether it's in relation to developing or measuring a customer promise, um, the way that they they execute their customer experience, whether it's Mm -hmm. a a mystery shopping program, that is something we users can help with. Mm-hmm. Besides from, from the customer experience, we, of course, do a lot in relation to fundamental brand understanding and, and brand building and innovation. Um, so, mm-hmm. so my background is in, within innovation. And that is also why today you have brought me on the show to talk about the uh, subscription model because, and I'll come back to yeah, that later, sure. uh, probably. Mm-hmm. Um, but that is something where we see a, a strong rise, uh, both from clients, but definitely also from consumers
0: For sure. Fantastic, Jens. Thank you so much for that. And as I said, the webinar was fantastic. And uh, when we come to the show notes at the end of this, I'll make sure that we do promote the Ipsos webinar uh, because it was really, really good content. Um, Mm -hmm. So, Peter, tell us, uh, your company name is Subscribe. So, clearly, this is something you're very specialized in. So, tell us a bit about your own company and background working with Subscription to Drive Loyalty.
1: Yes, uh, thank you. Um, so, subscribe. We're still um, a relatively small uh, company. We are seven consultants in uh, in Scandinavia, working from uh, Denmark and uh, and Norway. Mm. And what we do is basically the traditional way of doing management consulting, um, but instead of working with a specialized industry. We, we are specializing in, as, as you said, the subscription model. So we, we work across all industries, more or less. Mm-hmm. Um, and we have two major areas uh, within subscription, which we call subscription innovation.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, that is our core area where we um, help companies that are not having a subscription model today.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, how they innovate one, develop it, and execute it right. Mm. Um, and then, of course, um, we also help existing uh, subscription uh, companies um, optimizing their uh, their model and also optimizing their organization and the processing, mm. uh, the value proposition and so on. So we're kind of like a 360 strategic and tactical uh, management uh, consultancy, so to speak.
0: Wonderful, great. And I know you've got some fabulous frameworks, Peter, that you're going to talk us through later. But before we get into all of that, obviously, the the first question, as you know, on my show, is always (laughs) uh, about our favorite statistic. So, Peter, I will start with you, as we're already just um, chatting away here. What is your favorite statistic?
1: Yeah, well, as as some might guess, um, (laughs) the CLV is definitely my uh, favorite statistic. CLV is, um, as some might know, customer lifetime value. Mm-hmm. Um, the value you get from a customer in its total lifetime. Um, it's the most uh, important statistic for any subscription-based business. But um, the interesting thing is that it's also very hard to deal with. Um, so it's kind of like a search for the holy grail that, uh, that companies usually do. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's not because the calculation is hard. Yeah. Um, I like numbers, and it's fairly easy to do it. Yeah. Um, what you basically do is you take your c- recurring revenue per user. Yeah. Um, minus your recurring costs per user, mm. and then you divide it by your uh, your churn percentage in the period of time that you uh, have your recurring cost and, uh, and revenue. Mm. But the hard thing is that it's. It's always changing and it's always in motion mm-hmm. because it's based on um, on your user behavior. Mm. And uh, I have a, a good colleague. Uh, I, know, I was discussing it with him uh, a couple of days ago because we were making a, a prediction model for one of our clients. And uh, a trend prediction model is basically uh, a model that tells you um, when you are going to build a specific number of accounts within the next, let's say, thirty days. Mm-hmm. The model can point out who is going to churn.
0: Mm, wow,
1: um,
0: that's clever stuff.
1: <laughs> it is, and uh, we haven't really done it um, in the perfect way yet. But we're working with it in in many different uh, industries. Mm. Um, but the hard part is that if you um, if you consider time. As a parameter for for churn prediction,
3: mm.
1: the time that you are a customer have, uh, have been with you. Mm. Uh, so it's basically the loyalty of the customer. Then yeah. it becomes extremely hard to tell if the customer is actually going to churn. Mm. Um, and I think one of the um, an example you can use is that uh, when a person is born, mm-hmm. um, let's say that the initial lifetime estimate of that person is seventy years, mm-hmm. because seventy years could be the average lifetime um then there are some very important milestones that will increase the estimate of the uh, of the lifetime of that person yeah so already when the person uh, gets 1 year old lifetime mm. might be 80 years instead of just 70 years and that's wow. the same thing with uh, with subscription lifetime wow okay so um You're the calculation lot- uh, makes no sense if you only look at time you have to put in consideration of a lot more behavioral statistics to um, to work with it. And that's that's why I think it's very, it's very interesting.
0: Yeah, well, it's certainly very interesting, Peter. And I can imagine uh, your clients are very glad that you have the expertise to, to come in and figure out uh, all the numbers for them. Um, so Jens, tell me what, uh, from, from your perspective, what would be your favorite statistic, either from a loyalty or just in general from your marketing?
2: Yeah. Um, so as, as we, Ipsos, a uh, uh, numbers company, I uh, have a ton of statistics. So it was actually quite a difficult task to, to pick one um, mm. as being the most interesting one. But I think what I came up with is, uh, is based and I think related to what Peter is talking about as well. So we recently published and did a paper on uh, what we call the forces of customer experience. So the mm-hmm. science of strong relationships. That's the, the head title of, uh, of that paper or publication. And essentially nice. what we document in, in that paper is, um, and it's based on uh, more than 9,000 uh, customer experience evaluations. Um, so it's a mm-hmm. global r and from Ipsos. Um, what we investigated was to understand how can we better understand how customers or, or clients can improve their return on uh, customer experience investments, so Roxy. Mm-hmm. Um, and and mm-hmm. what we actually found was that um, putting a higher weight and more importance on the emotional attachment will actually eventually uh, enable customers to have, uh, they'll be far more likely to express a preference towards a specific brand. They'll be much more likely to recommend the brand um, Mm -hmm. than if we're just uh, functionally satisfied and then significantly Mm -hmm. more likely to stay with the brand in the future. So I think the whole fear and and talking about loyalty in general that historically wise, there has been a tendency to very much focus on being functionally satisfied rather than mm. actually creating a specific and special bond with uh, between the, the user and the, the brain and the business and now with mm. this uh, paper we statistically document that it's definitely worth the investment um, to actually do that create this emotional attachment um so I think this yeah. this was one of uh, the breakthrough uh, statistics from my side at least and I know this is mm. something that also have caused a lot of discussion and interesting dialogues with the, with our clients.
0: Um. Wonderful. Well, you'll have to make sure that we have access to that paper, if at all possible, Jens, because I'd love to share that with listeners as well. Absolutely. Um, yeah. I, yeah. And tell me, was that paper, um, was it uh, pre-COVID or, or, or during COVID? Was it prompted by COVID in any way or was it an existing consumer trend?
2: Yeah, exactly. So this was something that was published, I believe, uh, February, so before uh, the COVID really emerged, um, and it was okay. based on a twelve-month uh, data source, um, so tracking back twelve months, a year, um, and with mm. these uh, nine thousand customer experience evaluations. So the COVID uh, yeah. will not be be sort of part of that uh, overall model, but it would be interesting to do another run in a year to see uh, the the change yeah. in that. But I would say. Generally, the Mm -hmm. COVID is is an even stronger argument for actually building this emotional bond to your customers. And that is also why I brought this statistic today, because I think the subscription business model is a brilliant way to actually ensure and build this uh, emotional attachment.
0: Yeah, yeah, and and it really is. I think the the ultimate type of loyalty, really. You know, if somebody has committed, um, I think to use your term, Peter. You know, the the, the lifetime value. So I'm signing up indefinitely to purchase from you. I think that really is the the holy grail. But I think mm-hmm. from from watching the webinar, um, what I liked, Peter, that that you were even talking about, I suppose, was how many new um new sectors were getting into subscription. So yeah. I had already, you know, looked at, and we all know oh. the the usual suspects like Netflix and Spotify and Amazon Prime. Um, but I think you were talking about things like subscription for cars. Um, so for mobility, which I thought was a really interesting, um, totally different business model. So I'd love you to talk about some of the, the new industries that you're seeing and um, creating loyal customers using this type of business model.
1: Mm. Yeah. Um, so I think that example was uh, actually a Danish company um, called Drive. Mm-hmm. It's um, a combination of drive yeah. and a tribe. Subscribe. okay. <laughs> oh, actually, yeah. Actually, a tribe because they want us to become drivers. Yeah, yeah. Um Love it. And, Okay. Uh, yeah. And I think um, the reason that they actually made up that name was because they wanted to make a community around subscribing to your car. Mm-hmm. So the way it works is that you play, uh, you pay a flat fee, mm. um, a fixed fee every month. Mm-hmm. Um, around 500 kroner in Dan- Denmark. Mm. That's about, I think, 70 dollars in uh, in US at the moment. Okay. Um, and that actually only gives you the access to the uh, to the garage. Sure. So um, so that is a model that we would call and subscribe a green fee, um, mm. because you pay for access, mm. and then you can um, you can choose a car. And you mm. can have that car for 30 days and you can swap it with a new car or you can mm. keep it. So um, there's no long retainer agreements and so on. It's just every month you can choose a new car. Mm.
3: Um,
1: and what I really like about Drive is that uh, from the beginning, they, um, they invented a, uh, um, a loyalty program that gives you um, uh, benefits depending on your drive level. Okay. Um, so that you can gain access to uh, special rides in weekends Mm. if Mm. you want to ride a Porsche in the weekend and you want to ride a Fiat Punto in uh, (laughs) in the week and that works and so, yeah, and I think they have executed it very well. Mm-hmm. And they even have, um, I'm not sure how usual it is, but it's a quite fun feature. Mm-hmm. It means that if, if you and I are both uh, drivers and uh, we meet in the street, yeah. then we can bump our phones and we can actually swap our cars immediately.
0: Wow. That's super cool. I love it. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Sometimes we just need the fun factor, you know? I said we weren't going to yeah. talk about gamification, but there it is right there. It is. Wow. How would you know that the other person was a drive? Uh, do you know how that piece works?
1: No, actually, I'm not sure if you have like a tracker or something that shows you drivers. Uh, okay. But I, but I think that uh, that could, of course, be developed and, uh, and added. And, yeah. But I think at the moment you need to know the, who the drivers are.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Okay. But I love the concept of tribe because, uh, you know, when we talk about loyalty and, and Jens, you made this point already, it can sometimes start off feeling very transactional um, and everyone's talking about emotional loyalty. So I think the tribe to me is the ultimate achievement of, you know, we really belong together. Like it's even beyond community and connection. I do believe yeah. that um, if somebody feels like part of a tribe, there's, there's an awful lot of emotional investment, I think, that goes into that. Um, so exactly. that's a really good model. Mm? It's a, it's fabulous. It's obviously taking off in Denmark. Have you seen it around the world as well, Peter? Do, do you know?
1: Um, no, I think uh, that um, an interesting thing about this model is that uh, Drive is not uh, um, is not producing cars. They're not a manufacturer. Sure. Uh, but okay. I yeah. think that a lot of the of the manufacturers will go into subscription. Um, Mercedes is doing it. Um, Tesla has kind of been doing it from the beginning because of the software updates that they started from. Mm. Um, but I think over the next couple of years, we will see car manufacturers trying to get closer to their consumer and yeah. are going to do a lot more uh, direct to consumer sales. Also subscription based.
0: Yeah, yeah, and I'm a big fan of the the shared economy model, which is, um, to me, I suppose, halfway between um, you know owning a car and subscribing. Um, mm-hmm. In that, when I moved countries three years ago, I just hadn't really, you know, got the need or facilities actually to to buy a car and park it where I was living. So I ended up just using um, literally Uber to go wherever I needed. And yeah. I have stayed with that model ever since. I actually find it amazing that I never have to to care about a car. It's brilliant.
1: <laughs> yeah, I would love uh, if Uber was still in Denmark, but uh, unfortunately they got kicked out. So, Oops. Uh, yeah. Oops. Okay. Um, but I think there's actually a good point about um, about the platforms that uh, allow you to share. Um, in Denmark, we have uh, Drive Now and uh, Green Mobility, that are mm. both um, electric cars. And. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think that one of the problems is that they don't have subscription models uh, yet. So it's more like a pay-as-you-go mm. um, way. And I think that if any of those companies uh, developed and, um, and implemented a subscription model, then it would be a game changer. Because mm. um, obviously, yeah. one of the problems is that their cars are standing still for way too long. For sure. Yeah, And absolutely. I think uh,
2: just to compliment on that, because I think that's a general thing when talking about subscription and and something we definitely feel from the client mm. dialogues that we have that it's mm. it's not always, you know, an either or. you don't necessarily only go to need to go full in on on subscription. It mm. might actually be something that is a strong complementary mm. factor to to your bus, business model today. And something yeah. that can be extended over time. Um, because I, I fully agree with you, Peter, in relation to, to the share now or drive now. Uh, the feature for some, it would be a strong value, you know, to have this uh, subscription you pay and then you have unlimited, you can drive. Whereas mm. for others, uh, for example, for me, I occasionally use it, but I would not necessarily want to sign up for, for a fixed fee or something like that. Uh, but I would rather go so mm. pay for the for the time that I actually use it. Um so, yeah. so, fully agree on that. But I think it's 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 a really important dialogue, and I assume this is something you talk a lot with your clients about, Peter as well. This mm-hmm. is, is subscription the only way, and and mm-hmm. we need to go full in, or can it be a mix? Yeah,
1: yeah, and it's definitely one of the hard things uh, to consider, and also something that we try to. Consult, uh, especially the companies that are in industries uh, without subscription models,
3: mm.
1: meaning how how big a strategic fo- focus sh- should this be? Mm. Uh, how much of your business do you want to be subscription-based mm. in one, two, three, five years? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's mm. a very important consideration to do. Yeah, exactly. Because-
0: yeah. Because it doesn't suit everything, Peter. And I liked something I just want to pick up on that you said earlier, which was mm-hmm. um, there's no long retainer. And in fact, I was researching myself this week. I was writing about uh, one of the very big US subscription firms called the Dollar Shave Club, yeah. um, which I'm sure lots of um, listeners w- will be familiar with. And one of the really prominent things I noticed on their website was, you know, they said, look, There are no sneaky terms and conditions and we will never make it hard to leave. And I loved that because actually, I think part of us are like, actually, I do kind of like this and I'm thinking about subscribing, but I'm afraid I'm going to forget and end up overspending. So Mm. would you see that as being one of the critical success factors for a subscription program? Hmm.
1: Yeah, um, definitely, yes. Um, a A beautiful exit as you might call it, when you yeah. want to leave, is yeah. very, very important. Yeah. Um, as you can see, um, Netflix right now is, uh, I'm not sure if they are just trying to make a market campaign or what it is, or if okay. they actually are very, very nice, but um, Netflix has pointed out that um, they will actually cancel the zombie accounts that they have in, uh, in their customer base. And, uh, and zombie accounts are, uh, in Netflix terms, Mm. um subscribers that has not been using Netflix for more than a year. Okay. So if you haven't been using your Netflix account for more than a year and you're still paying then they would close it uh, wow. to make sure that you don't pay anymore. Wow. Yeah, and it's so it's I think it's less than you know, a half percent of uh, Netflix entire base. But um but it's still a nice thing and mm-hmm. it's also a very 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 good marketing um I wouldn't call it a stunt, but mm. it's a good mag- marketing campaign at least. Yeah,
0: it shows a lot of integrity, actually, because, yeah, um, yeah to actually stop taking your customers' money is, um, is an <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you know, I can imagine the CFO scratching his head going, are we sure we want to do this? Because I'm sure there's a big yeah. number on a P&L that, um, that he's going to be giving up. But... Um, yeah. I'd love to ask though, just in general, Peter, because I've all sorts of categories, as you can imagine, listening to the show, what mm-hmm. particular sectors do you think um, should be thinking about subscription, either now as a result of COVID-19, and I think I mentioned that I've subscribed, for example, to organic ju- juices that I would never have thought of before. But do yeah. you see that the, um, the current situation is driving particular um, opportunities in, in new sectors?
1: Yes, definitely, and I'm not sure I would call it in a new sector, but I think one of the sectors that have at least opened their eyes for subscription uh, is is retail. Yeah.
3: Um,
1: so groceries. Um, even my mom now, she's seventy one. She started uh, buying groceries online because of COVID nineteen. Yeah. Um, and she's going to keep doing it. Um, because I was talking to her about um, also, that was also one of the topics we had, Jens, when we did this, uh, the webinar. Mm. Um, are you going to retain these customers that have been buying from you when the crisis is over and things turn back to normal? Sure. And a lot of them will be um, having a new behavior because the lockdown was so long.
3: Mm.
1: Um, so, just the one person example my mom is going to keep buying. Yeah. Groceries online okay. But right now She's just loyal To um, the, uh, the, the, the The store, store That yeah. yeah yeah So If they want to keep her mm. They either have to make A very 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 Bulletproof um, Customer journey And customer experience Every time
3: mm.
1: Or they will have to uh, Build a, um, a barrier In some other way And that could be Through a subscription model
3: mm.
1: If you look at Amazon uh, Prime And um, mm. Amazon had a great increase in their stocks over, over uh, during the lockdown, mm. and that's of course because they have so many subscription-based products. Mm. Um, so they have, um, they, they pretty much have a security for um, for these kinds of uh, of mm. situations
0: brilliant and yeah. I think you're you're absolutely right that you know there, there's so much has moved online and I think that that that's certainly something that we're all um hoping that it does continue what actually I hadn't even noticed before um, even as much as I love Amazon Prime I do see that they have an extra program as well um built around uh, consumer packaged goods so again in the kind of grocery space which I think in the past most of us did not go to Amazon to buy our groceries but they also have a subscription model that I'm I'm keen to explore. I don't know if it applies in the UAE, but you can either have a flexible, consistent delivery of groceries from Amazon or customize Mm -hmm. it uh, month on month. And I thought it was amazing that they again have a a separate subscription model, but as you said, specifically in that vertical.
1: Yeah. Yeah, and actually um, there's there's a retailer called Netto in Denmark who has Mm -hmm. just launched uh, their version um, called Fillup. Okay, um, and uh, it's uh, it's a tailor made subscription where you can. They actually have a pretty nice uh, sign up flow. So when you sign up to the subscription, mm-hmm. you uh, you are being taken through a um, a wizard that takes you through your home. Okay. And then you um, in each room of your uh, your home. So you are at the bathroom. What do you need? Mm. You are in the kitchen. What do you need? Mm. Um, you check the um, um, the specific wares that you want. Okay. And, uh, and then you uh, decide in what frequency you want them delivered. Love it. And yeah. and this model is based on all um, all Cloud the brains. items that yet yeah and categories that don't have like short um, what do you call it
0: lifespan or shelf life. Exactly. Yes. Yeah. Exactly. exactly. Yeah. yeah very good yeah and again it probably uh, you know really proves the model of Dollar Shave Club you know um, yeah. they actually had a hilarious launch video again I'll make sure to link to it I'd never seen it before but it had had 26 million views when I looked at it the other day and it launched the company um, but talking about um, you know one dollar blades being being shipped to your house I mean I've no idea how they made the business <laughs> model work but uh, they sold I know to, uh, to Unilever for a billion dollars in 2016 yeah. so, so clearly something worked for them. Um, Jens, I wanted to actually ask you, if you don't mind, to just to take us through what you saw and what you talked about in that webinar as well, about what are the principles that we need to be thinking about if there is an existing, I suppose, retailer in any category listening to the show and and maybe saying, okay, I wonder would subscription work for my customer base? What do you think they need to be thinking about um, in terms of success
2: principles? Yeah, of course um, so I think initially why we actually uh, decided to host this uh, this event around uh, the subscription based model um was because we could see that uh, there were coming uh, more and more questions from clients in different uh, angles in relation to so how can we better uh, sustain a, a, a more a longer lifetime with uh, with our customers without having to interact uh, on a very transactional basis every time um and we also had discussions around the uh, more and more discussions on, on on business model innovation. So, what is out there? Um, and then we we saw mm. a clear tendency towards uh, the the COVID nineteen uh, tendencies, uh, driving towards more uh, some of these factors driving uh, the relevance of the subscription model. So, convenience, mm. uh, some of these mm. things uh, were were clearly kickstarting uh, subscription being relevant for for new targets. Um, so that is why mm-hmm. uh, we uh, Ipsos Denmark decided to host this webinar. Um, and, mm-hmm. and in that uh, that event or the webinar, we we took part of departure in a in a in a research we have done Ipsos ourselves uh, globally, um, uh, where we investigated the, the relevance of the of the subscription model and how we can actually unlock consumer demand. So what we investigated mm-hmm. was that we we looked at our experience with testing uh, new innovation models, um, and we found out mm-hmm. that we saw three key drivers to actually change or impact behavior with consumers. And this is super relevant when when considering subscription models. Um, So so what we found was that um, these three uh, key factors or drivers, Uh, so one is uh, it has to enhance my life. Two, Mm -hmm. it has to do it for me. And three, it has to make me confident, um, so mm. of course there are successful models that deliver and focus on one of these, but what we could clearly see is that there is strong correlation and causality in relation to those uh, business model uh, that delivers on all these three. They have a really strong mm. chance for success in market, and also we could see that this is actually often where subscription is delivering, um, and that is also why we decided to to engage with uh, with Peter from uh, Subscribe to to have their mm. point of view on on the more strategical point of view in relation to how do you get the full organization on board with subscription. Um, yeah. And that was sort of the center of um, of um, that webinar. Um, so, of course, we have done a, mm. a lot of testing within uh, subscription as well uh, in Ipsos. Um We generally see mm. two very present models. So either it's replenishment or it's box subscriptions. Um, so you buy something yeah. and you get it for a box or you get, as Peter mentioned, for example, with, uh, with fill up. Uh, you get new Uh groceries, uh, or not groceries, you get new stuff in as soon as you run out. Um, And and we could see that these two are actually uh, doing different things uh, and also in relation Mm -hmm. to these three drivers.
0: Okay. And between those two, I think Replenishment seemed to be the most obvious one, was it, Jens, in terms of where people just had that rational kind of going, okay, well, I'm going to buy it anyway, so I might as well subscribe to make sure it shows up on time.
2: Yeah, exactly. I think uh, the $1 Shave Club is a brilliant example of a replenishment service. Um, whereas, for example, a box subscription could be a, a beauty box where you get a selection of, of beauty products. Uh, in Denmark, we also have a super nice subscription that I actually use myself. It's called Årstiderne. Uh, mm. So basically, you get groceries and you get recipes for, uh, I get it for three days um, a, a week. Um, and then I know okay. what to cook and I have all the ingredients and it's always <laughs> tasty and, and it's organic. Um, so I think that is a yeah. brilliant example of a box subscription. Um, but yeah. where we could see that the, the strong differences is in those two models is that um, the replenishments generally indicate to deliver much stronger on convenience. Uh, and also mm. on the time-saving element. Um, whereas for example, with box subscription, it's, it's more a, a strong drive of innovation and then it's being trendy. Um, so I think that those are the two uh, main distinguishing uh, between those two models. Um, and I think that mm. is super yeah. important to have a, in mind when you actually develop your model. Because if you're only delivering on something that is uh, gimmicky, trendy and inno- innovative, you might actually yeah. end up having a very short lifetime for for your your customer. So I think it's super important to have those considerations because otherwise it can be quite expensive to get the customers in if they're leaving too fast mm. again.
0: Yeah. Yeah, and I know there's again plenty of models out there that, you know, looking at very high acquisition costs um in lots yeah. of different businesses and whether that can be justified given the customer lifetime value. And I would just add, obviously, Jens, I know it's an obvious point, but um as you said, there's convenience that saves time. But I think with COVID as well that it also saves um, you know, needing to actually expose yourself to risk. So yeah. um, you know, for me, as I said, the juices was something I kept saying, Oh, I must go and, you know get those juices organised and all of a sudden when a subscription service presented itself and eliminated the need for me to go to the store to pick it up freshly then obviously that ticked a lot of boxes for me just to take one of those um, those journeys out you know for my my week
2: yeah exactly Hmm.
0: Brilliant, and I do agree the meal one. By the way, so again, I referred to my friends all subscribing to lots of new things here as well, and again, new new types of loyalty, and there is a very similar box idea where it's new ingredients. And my favourite example, I will say, and this might be an idea for somebody listening, it came actually from a a, a beautiful restaurant, like one of the top top restaurants in Dubai, um, and I've only been there once. It's a very special experience, um, but for that restaurant of that caliber to be sending groceries, uh, videos, and um, instructions of how to cook their meals. I thought that was a particularly premium uh, subscription service, um, which I think is beyond just the, I need to eat, so give me some ingredients and a recipe and I'll cook it, you know? Yeah brilliant and um, peter i wanted to ask you as well you touched on a couple of models i know um we probably won't have time to go into all of them um, i think you've nine different variations and i think some of them are, are quite subtle um yeah. but you mentioned green fee for example which is one type of model um mm-hmm. i'm not sure of the name i guess my favorite one you might i'm sure you have a name for it but it's where there's unlimited uh, product available for a fixed amount um so do you have a, a particular name. So I'm thinking, for example, there's a couple of um, coffee shops in the US, um, including Burger King, bizarrely, which did um, an unlimited coffee for $5 a month. So um, you can imagine now how appealing that would be to, to many people. Yeah. But, but what kind of model, how would you describe that one where the product is essentially unlimited, particularly when it's a physical product rather than just like, I suppose, media, which most of us would be familiar
1: mm. with? Yeah, because I think that's really an interesting point That it's going into physical products now mm. um, And we call it uh, Something as original As all you can eat <laughs> Oh, brilliant um, so, Because it is basically a buffet, right? Yeah um, so, um, so, so yeah uh, The all you can eat model is, as you said um, Based brilliant. on Netflix uh, s- uh, Spotify The media Uh but if you can actually use it as a driver um, to get people into your store yeah. um, on your uh, non-core products, so to speak, mm-hmm. and then it can be extremely strong. If you can get it in your core product and you can make people buy something around your core product, it's also brilliant. Yeah. Uh, so I'm really looking forward to seeing uh, more, more of this coming uh, to, uh, yeah. um, to the markets, um, yeah. especially when it comes to um cafes and coffee and so on because we are not very loyal and mm, sure many people have like one coffee uh, uh, bar they want to uh, to be at in the weekends and when they have a lot of time mm-hmm. but when it's not about time and it's just about coffee before work or after work or something mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. then you normally get whatever is closest right yeah um and if you can disrupt that decision making by making it um, an all-you-can-eat model, so I actually walk, let's say another hundred meters, or um, yeah. I think, okay, I should go in here, even though I was there uh, yesterday. Then yeah. it's uh, then it's a brilliant way to uh, to um, create loyalty.
0: I love the buffet analogy, Peter, and um, my Irish listeners will definitely remember it actually happened in telcos. Um, so when 3Mobile came into the Irish market, they mm-hmm. had exactly a, a model, which was a package called All You Can Eat Data. So oh. um, it actually applies in telcos as well, would you believe?
1: Yeah, I think there's also uh, something uh, interesting about the model that, uh, that Jens was describing. Um, replenishment um, is also one of uh, our models. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think that box subscription uh, would usually be put into two categories uh, in subscribe. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's because it's quite important that if you want to develop a box subscription, you have to consider what kind of experience you want to create. Mm-hmm. Um, and one of my favorite subscriptions is my my beer mail from uh, from Mikkelok. Um, a Danish brewer who is mm-hmm. now internationally uh, known. Mm. Um, that's a surprise box. So every month I get uh, eight or nine beers,
0: and nice. um,
1: and I have no idea what they are. Wow. Um, so that's um, that's for the surprise element and for the personal yeah. care element, right? Yeah. But also, uh, who's delivering food? Um, they can't really make a surprise box mm. uh, because. Oh, well, they could, yeah. but um, but the churn from getting recipes that you don't like would be immense. Mm. I know that even now uh, that you can pre-schedule uh, what kind of categories you want and you can get recipes mm-hmm. that are child-friendly and so on. Mm. Um if they put uh, mackerel, is it called that the fish in uh, in English? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think they have about twenty five percent churn each time they put mackerel into Ooh. one of the boxes. So <laughs> yeah. um, I would so not that's... enjoy
0: that. Yeah.
1: Too oh. risky. <laughs> there you see. <laughs> so so I think you really have to consider how much of a surprise element should be in your your box, yeah. and and what problems is it actually solving, or what is your value proposition for the uh, for the box.
0: Yeah, and it may also be how strong is your brand? Like, you know, how, how well do your customers trust you? Uh, yeah. Because another case study I know we talked about offline was um, actually Coca-Cola. Um, and I was yeah. super impressed that as a as a consumer brand with obviously the the ultimate in trust, I guess, they're now charging a subscription fee um, to a very small cohort. I think it was limited yeah. to 1,000 subscribers. But again, like your beer proposition, you will get new flavors flavors of Coca-Cola shipped out to your house every month. Um, so it's almost like they're flipping mm. the model um, from sampling and you're paying for the opportunity to taste something before anybody else. So it's almost becoming like an experience yeah. model, which is completely different. Um, but I think it's very effective, yes. beer and wine and yeah. <laughs> works for all
1: of those. Yeah. And as you say, it's, it's a great way to actually also get feedback on your new products from uh, customers who actually pay. Yeah. Yeah. And if people pay, um, for example, they will also be more likely to be honest about the experience, right? Yeah. Because if you get something for free, it tends to be a little bit better.
0: Mm. And I also think I often talk about the whole point about uh, word of mouth marketing. So Mm. I think the whole, you know, concept of bragging rights uh, really applies with something like that, because I know they were totally oversubscribed. And again, a brand like that is in a very privileged position. But, you know, if I get a flavor of Coca-Cola that nobody's ever heard of, I'll probably tell everybody I meet, you know what I mean? Like my entire network will hear about that. So, um, yeah, so there's an element, I think, of the experience that, that subscriptions is obviously tapping into as well well. Wow, mm. wow. And, wonderful. And,
2: um, just to compliment because I think it's super interesting what you mentioned here Peter in relation to adding a specific type of fish and then you actually have a high risk of uh, of having a lot of customers uh, not being able or willing to buy the next time around. I yeah. think so So this is really where we, we, we encourage and also see that clients are willing to invest because I think This is what you can actually reduce that risk from testing upfront. So you need to talk to your potential customers Mm. to understand how can we actually best possible deliver something that is of relevance to you. Mm, But also how do we actually incorporate or build a a model? So for example, in pricing structure that increases uh, the chance of actually having the highest adoption possible. And, and, and as, so at least that is what we see more and more that the, the, all clients are more and more willing to actually explore uh, before they, they sort of go fixed on a specific model. So mm-hmm. I like the the nuances uh, that the, you have it subscribed with these nine different uh, subscription mm-hmm. models. Um, mm-hmm. And I truly believe that one should never stick with one. One should definitely go out and explore the opportunities Mm. With a, a few of these to ensure that they actually go the route that they uh, sort of uh, result in the highest return on investment. Mm.
0: It's a perfect point, Jens, um, because actually, I just, you're right that the whole point about testing is is probably even more critical within this type of model because, you know, so many people are so worried that they're signing up to the wrong thing long term. And the one that also came to mind was a lunch subscription service I saw called MealPal. But with that one, you could actually specify if you're allergic to, to a particular ingredient. So again, you know, the, the, there's absolutely no, um, no way you can launch something without having Having those kind of things um, reassured, you know, so that the customer's not worried they're going to end yeah. up subscribing to something that they literally can't eat or might have a literally a health issue with. So I think testing is is, is a very important point in this model.
1: Yeah, yeah, and it's it's actually an interesting point also because that um, as you were. Talking about Jens, uh, a lot of people are trying to increase their return on time, right? Mm. <laughs> so mm. we feel like we are too busy to do basic things. Mm. So that's why we uh, we want replenishment uh, subscriptions. Mm. But at the same time, we want a very personalized experience, right? Yeah, like if we mm. had actually been consulting a person about what kind of food do we need to stay fit, to avoid my allergies, and so on. And that's uh, that's where it's, it's very, very uh, hard to um, to actually make uh, a data structure that will allow you to uh, to personalize in that way. So, um, so what we see as a trend for the companies that understand this uh, problem is that they just ask upfront um and um and i see a lot of companies as a consultants that are afraid to mm-hmm. uh, to ask their their users and the subscribers because they think that their users expect a change in return but mm-hmm. sometimes just being heard can mm-hmm. actually increase commitment yeah. um because that people don't expect you to change uh, from one day to another but mm-hmm. then when the change comes they will be very very happy Mm. Um, so I don't think you should ever be afraid of asking or testing yeah. and including your, um, your customers in your product development.
2: Yeah. But I think I completely agree on that. And actually referring back to, to the paper I referred to in the very beginning, so the forces of customer experience. Mm. Mm. So here we identified six different uh, elements that you need to deliver on or you should focus on to establish this emotional attachment. Mm-hmm. And, and one of those, uh, so we have fair treatment. So you need to ensure that your customers feel that there is a, a fair exchange in their mm-hmm. relationship with you uh, as a brain. Yeah. You also need to ensure that the, that the customers feel uh, that things are clear, so certainty, mm-hmm. and that it's transparent and working as expected.
3: Mm-hmm. And then
2: control, and I think that's tapping into what you mentioned, Peter. So you need to help the customers actually feel that they are in control of the situation and yeah. in the driving seat. And, and and I know that they, that might be crossing some boundaries for, for some marketeers, but I think it's super important to
3: yeah. lay
2: down the, the guards and actually be a, a little more vulnerable uh, towards your customers and listen to them, interact with them, mm. realizing that they are human as, as you are yourself.
1: Mm. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, and it's it's something about uh, being bold and daring to actually ask stupid questions, right? Mm. I think one of, one of the examples that I really like is that um, a lot of us have um, subscriptions to uh, to f- fitness and and workout um, sure. uh, centers, <laughs> yes. but yeah. we never really get there as often as we want to. Yeah. Um. So a way to do like light gamification on this is just asking, "What is your uh, monthly target? How many times do we want to get here?"
3: Mm.
1: Because my. Um, the value that I get as a person from being part of this uh, membership could be that if I work out four times a month, mm. I would be happy. Mm. But maybe, Paula, you would like to work out eight times a month. Mm. And even though we pay the same amount of money, mm-hmm. we would both be happy if we yeah. reach our goal.
3: Yeah. And
1: we would both be similarly <laughs> unhappy yeah. if we didn't. Yeah. Even though the goal is relative to the person, right? Yes. And that's why it actually makes sense to ask people in the beginning of a subscription, What's your goal and why are you here?
3: Mm.
1: Not because you need to use the data, but also because you need to start the progress um, with the the subscriber and make them aware of Mm. their actual goals.
0: Yes. Yeah, that's a really good point, Peter. I think actually Jim's I hadn't thought about, but yes, I mean, we all know, I think all over the world, I think it's January particularly that the subscriptions flood in and then yeah. basically die off as the year goes through because we're not going and they're not engaging by return. So it just ends up kind of being a waste of money. Um, yeah. But I really like that model that I might only need to go once a week to make it feel like it's it's value and, and, and good um, use of my money. So I think that's a really good point. Mm-hmm. Fantastic. Well, listen, guys, I think this has been a phenomenal conversation. Um, As I said at the beginning, for me, you know, the show is about driving um, loyalty in any shape or form beyond loyalty programs even. And what I love about the subscription model is I think companies that are um, acquiring subscribers, I think they're bought into the idea of a long-term relationship with them rather than just the usual acquisition model. So, um, So I think it's really important that everybody listening does think about what they're business can do from a subscription perspective yeah. um, is there anything either of you wanted to mention before we wrap up?
1: Yeah I think that um, your point here in, in the end is, is very important because um, I've been working for many years in sales and um, mm. also in subscription companies Actually, I've never been working in a company that wasn't subscription based, <laughs> well, <laughs> but, um, but I've been doing a lot of sales strategy. And obviously, the what you do when you uh, when you optimize sales is optimizing the reason to buy for the customer. Yeah.
3: Um,
1: and and in Subscribe, we work, and it's pretty simple. But we work in in a two way uh, angle when we look at the value proposition, mm. always looking at both reason to buy and reason to stay. Lovely. Um, and it's important to to bring in those perspective uh, and both of them, every yeah. time you make a market and loyalty campaigns.
0: Brilliant, brilliant. Yeah, yeah, I, I, I will rub those words, Peter. Reasons to buy and reasons to stay. Fantastic, exactly. brilliant. And Jens, anything from your side, from an Ipsos perspective?
2: Yeah so I think uh, a good round of uh, is in relation to this whole thing uh, so is this really relevant for me uh, probably a lot of your listeners uh, would ask them the, that question to themselves and their organization Yeah. because I think when we send out the invite for this uh, event around the subscription model I actually got a few emails back uh, super interesting but this is not relevant for our business um, mm. and I actually took the chance to uh, to grab a few of these uh, persons on the phone yeah. to to really explain them so this is uh, relevant for, I would say, more or less everyone. Wow. It's not always a profitable business, but it's definitely something you need to consider and you need to stay yeah. mindful of. Um, so I think that, that is just a key takeaway from, from talking about subscription, that this is not for a small group of uh, companies, yeah. services, products. Mm. This can be applied, I would say, in more or less everything. And Peter would probably be able to confirm that uh, hypothesis. Mm. Definitely.
0: Yeah, yeah. And I totally yeah. agree, And Jens, I think you made the point already earlier. It's not that we're suggesting everybody replaces their entire business model with subscription, but it's a new type of business model you can add in as appropriate, mm. maybe to particular product lines. So, again, I think our role um, in this conversation is just creating awareness of all of the amazing new categories that are suddenly tapping into it, like groceries, for example, that might not previously have been relevant. Yeah. So, on that note, I want to uh, I want to literally wrap up and say thank you so much. Um, first of all, Jens Dupont from Ipsos Denmark and separately uh, to Peter Jakobsen from Subscribe in Denmark. Um, I think you've both been amazing, super interesting to talk to you. So thank you so much from Let's Talk Loyalty. This show is sponsored by The Wise Marketeer, the world's most popular source of loyalty marketing news insights and research the wise marketeer also offers loyalty marketing training both online and in workshops around the world through its loyalty academy which has already certified over 150 executives in 18 countries as certified loyalty marketing professionals for more information check out www.thewisemarketeer.com and www.loyaltyacademy.org. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of Let's Talk Loyalty. If you'd like me to send you the latest show each week, simply sign up for the show newsletter on letstalkloyalty.com and I'll send you the latest episode to your inbox every Thursday. Or just head to your favourite podcast platform, find Let's Talk Loyalty and subscribe. Of course, I'd love your feedback and reviews, and thanks again for supporting the show.